most empaths feel the pain of other people within their own body and consciousness. And if you don't have a name for that and no one recognizes that that's going on, there are many people who are suffering silently because there hasn't been a recognition of what this is. Welcome to the Intuitive Woman Podcast. My name is Tina Conroy. I am so grateful you are here. If you have found me, you are a seeker of spiritual growth. I honor your journey. Thank you for listening. Hey there, Tina here. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. This is sponsored by the Intuitive Expo held on May 5th from 9 to 4 in Syracuse, New York. I have the honor of being one of the keynote speakers as we talk about positive life change. Join me and founder Dr. Pam Denton for a day of building spiritual community to transform your life. Also, don't forget about the kickoff party the night before, May 4th at 5.30. Meet the speakers as we kick off the expo, share a channel meditation, and a cold a group reading. It is held at Embassy Suites by Hilton. All the information and the Eventbrite ticket link is below. Now, as we start the show, I would love to introduce my guest. Sarah Weiss is founder of Spirit Heal Institute and the Enlightened Empath Training Program. She initiates and helps cultivate self-empowerment, an awakened heart, and trustworthy intuition in her clients and students. She is a practical mystic and recognized teacher in the Sufi path, the Adian Quaro tradition, and the Taoist lineage. Sarah serves as a healer, spiritual mentor, medical, intuitive, and retreat guide, illuminating the path for those who are called to discover the light, depth, and power of the heart. Sarah is also an adjunct professor at Baldwin Wallace University, teaching meditation and mindfulness to music, theater, and business students. I love the conversation with Sarah. We spoke openly about empaths, and I think this is such an important topic. So many people ask and wonder if they're an empath, how they take on energy, how they can take care of themselves and their energetic field. And Sarah really allows us to dig deep about this. Listen in. You may find that you have characteristics of an empath. And Sarah allows some tools and conversation for you to take care of your energetic body. I know you will love it. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? Wonderful, Tina. It's so nice to connect with you. Beautiful to connect with you. I am so delighted to bring your gifts to the audience and to my listeners and community. It's uh, Your community is something that really struck me when I started listening to your podcasts. Um, I, I love how you bring your authentic self to your people and you, there's nothing hiding behind who you are. And it's really wonderful to see that. It's fresh. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. I try. You know, sometimes it isn't always easy. I have to say there are times where, you know, you're going through something and how much do you share? But I kind of feel, and I really do believe that 
whatever we're feeling, someone else is feeling as well. And so I do like to share. And I am a real person. I'm, we're all real people. And when you start to feel that people are not being real or being authentic, it's, it can be very sad, you know, and there's a lot out there. There's a lot of noise in social media and podcasting. And matter of fact, someone just put up on their, I think it was a Facebook page, you know, real, R-E-A-L or real, R-E-E-L, like movie. And where are you? Are you being real or are you just showing a reel of your life? And I am, thank you for that because I do try to be uh, as authentic as I can. It's it's fun because I, I can feel we're we're very similar in, in so many ways in the way we tune into people and do our work. And I can feel the light and energy really lining up together today. So the people that are listening to the podcast today are going to get a very nice download yes. of high frequency energy. Absolutely. Well, I can tell and I know the listeners can see as we connect on, we connect through video. So I'm able to see Sarah and I can already see and feel her energy. And like you said, everybody who's listening will feel it as well. So let's bring the listeners back. I would love if you can share with them your background, if you were brought up religious, spiritual, or both. I would say uh, I, I was raised in a reform Jewish family that were pretty much non-religious. And so I had one tract where, you know, I went to Sunday school, went to all the temple events and things like that, but there was never any kind of connection from my parents to the spirituality of what was happening in the religion. I also was from birth one of those people who did not forget where they came from. So even as a baby in a crib, which I can still remember, I was conversing with the light and the beings that I saw beyond the physical realm. So light is a big theme in my life. Um, Beings show themselves to me in light. I see frequencies in light and color. And so I had... a a continuous stream from being born here, from knowing what it was like in the other dimensions. It was never blocked off for me. So as I grew up, there was no one ever around who I could talk to about it. And when I would mention something, like I'd be sitting in temple with my parents and they'd pull out the Torah from the Ark, and I would see these huge blasts of light and the beings who were at the, at the transmission of the sacred book. And I'd look at my mom and there would be like a blank face. No one, no one was seeing what I was seeing. And I was always seeing the, the beings that were carrying the transmission for the religion. So I kind of kept that to myself um, throughout my whole life until, until I was about 19, where I decided that well, this was too big to keep in a back corner. So I sought out some teachers and started learning meditation techniques and healing techniques. I always knew I was a healer and did it very privately. You know, not a lot of people knew what I was doing. A few of my roommates and friends did. But I was a serious student and I had traditional, a traditional meditation teacher where I went through a meditation training in 
what's now almost old paradigm mystical school where you go through and have practices and you're assessed from the soul level how you're developing and reflected back to you what um where your your consciousness is in relationship to your authenticity and so i studied with a sufi teacher uh for many years who was my main teacher and then i also studied with an andean teacher from peru um and uh, a Taoist teacher. So I spent 30 years uh, studying with a Taoist teacher in Qigong and 25 years with the Andean teacher and 30 years with the Sufi teacher. They're all gone now. But um, I took the studying really seriously. So I also had a career as an artist and taught art at the university level and worked also in nonprofit management. And my last traditional job was executive director of the Cystic Fibrosis Society. So I was always involved in some kind of service and I brought my art to service as well. And um, then everything changed about 26 years ago. I'm going to pause you there. And I I have to say this, and I know you'll understand and listeners unfortunately can't see, but behind you, there is approximately four or five orbs. They are, some of them are moving and they're very small moving and some are still. And I've been watching them as you're speaking. They're just developing these little lights. These, they're not even flickers. They truly are orbs to me. And I'm watching as you're talking and they're, they're, there is a little bit more, there's a little bit more movement and um, it's really beautiful. I'm sorry that the listeners can't see this, but take my word for it. Sarah is absolutely filled with these light of orbs behind her and there's just a regular wall behind you with some tapestry. So um, I, I just had to pause and tell you that because if I could take a screenshot, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. I don't even know if it would come up on a phone, but truly as you are speaking, there is light around you. And like you said, light is become your, I guess, what you gravitate to and what gravitates to you. So right. it's very oh, beautiful. So sorry to pause you about that. <laughs> thank you for the feedback. It's probably my teachers listening to say, see what I'm going to say. <laughs> so uh, when I was about 26 years ago, I was a mother already, married, had a, a couple two daughters, and was working at Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. And my girlfriend, who was my college roommate, knew I had studied healing and meditation. She's a therapist. She called me up one day and she said, I've been seeing this woman for seven years. I can't keep her married. She's um, on her going on her fourth divorce. She said, I just want you to come into the session and, and help me figure out what to do with this woman. And so it was the first time I had been doing healing things. I, I had studied massage, polarity, craniosacral, all these other things, but they were like an avocation. And uh, so I sat with her, with her client, and the only person I saw sitting there was a nun. <laughs> and so when I finally got a chance, when they asked me for my feedback, I said, what did you want to be when you grew up? And she said, in all my life, I never told anyone what I really wanted to be. She said, I always wanted to be a nun. Of course. <laughs> and I said, well, who are you married to? And of course, she felt married to Christ. So she never could keep these marriages together. So all of a sudden, the therapy was able to open up and 
everything, you know, one thing led to another. And then all of a sudden, all my, my friends, therapist friends were calling me. And I left Cystic Fibrosis Foundation on a Friday and Monday, I was booked for two months. Wow. And that was 26 years ago. And I've never even advertised. I've just been working every single day with clients since then. So, um, I love that story. That's how it happened. Um, it was, I was just placed in service. I, I said I was hired by God. So that's what happened. So yeah, you truly were, you truly were being called to your service and to leave. That's, that's an amazing thing that you were able to be called by your friend and then to help her. And, you know, as I'm listening to him, like, of course she said she wanted to be a nun. Right. Because you had that energy and that connection. And then to now be able to serve and transform others and help others and heal others. And um, I love that story. I love that story. It really allows us to be open to the calling. And when we are called to listen, and which I think so many people struggle with, and you did listen, and thank goodness you did because of all the work that you do now, what a shame it would have been if you didn't. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you. It was scary, but it was, I felt like I had a little cushion there. And, uh, and that one friend, whenever, you know, we're good friends, but she seems to be the one person in my life where she can trigger a wonderful change in my life every so often. She's always the trigger person. So we came in together for a reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to kind of talk about, it's a hot topic. A lot of people talk about it. People will say different things about it, but I get that a lot in my healing sessions or maybe people that are unaware. They talk about clearing their energy. Oh, they talk about taking on other people's energy or being an empath, being clairsentient. And I want to really dig in deep about this today. I, I'm really glad to have you on the podcast and to share this. What can we share to the listeners about, about this and, and being able to kind of notice what it is, label what it is, and then to also be able to help ourselves? Because there's a lot of people out there that are struggling with this feeling and not really sure what to do. There are, there are a lot of people. So I find it very interesting that over, it's over about the last five years, this idea and concept of being an empath has come to the foreground. So in the past, even there wasn't one spiritual teacher I had that un- knew what an empath was or what, who someone that was so um, clairsentient, as you said, what their life was like. The spiritual teachers didn't quite know what to do with someone like that. And over the last five years, uh, this has really come to the foreground. And Dr. Judith Orloff has written just a wonderful book. The Empath Survival Guide is just the primer for everyone to read if they have this issue. So it's not an issue. It's a, it's a profile. It's a type of brain uh, nervous system uh, profile. And I believe it's actually the preview of the future human. I believe that from all my years of spiritual study, that when you're studying 
in the spiritual world, one of the things that happens is the subtle world opens up to you. When you can get quiet enough inside, you're, you're yearning to make that connection with the subtle world. And we are getting, I believe, as a species, more sensitive, not less, that our biology, our consciousness is moving into a more refined, more spiritually oriented, more subtle uh, way of being. So physics is now supporting consciousness and the multidimensionality of consciousness. Medicine's starting to come along in that direction too. So I feel like empaths are really a preview of the future human. So let me ask you a question. You you noted to the fact that all this is happening and there's more empaths or more people talking about it or more people speaking about it or feeling it. I feel the same way. Do you think that we are just become so sensitive or is it that we are evolved? Like, it, which is it? Is it that we're moving into more of an opening and awareness or we're actually, I don't know if I'm making sense, but does mm-hmm. that make sense? Like, are we evolving and that's why we're feeling it more or are we still like really stuck? I, I believe that the substrate of human consciousness is, is evolving. You may look out in the world and say we're not evolving <laughs> from the way certain things look now. But I do believe that we are on a cosmic wave of evolution, given how the planet's moving into higher frequency area in the in the Milky Way. And we passed the 2012 marker. And I believe we re- really are in an evolution and an expansion. And I think that's why in the last five years, the idea of an empath has surfaced. Um, there, there just wasn't even a name for it before, but there were a lot of empaths on the planet and they've been suffering. They've been really suffering because most empaths feel the pain of other people within their own body and consciousness. And if you don't have a name for that, and no one recognizes that that's going on. There are many people who are suffering silently because there hasn't been a recognition of what this is. So now they're starting, just starting to do some research on this. Um, There's some scientific studies that are now looking at empaths. They're even looking at, at children who are empaths and I've been seeing that there are uh, social workers and therapists who are in even elementary schools and high schools that are recognizing that these children are not only highly sensitive to external stimulation, like maybe the buzz of a light or loud sounds. I I actually had a, a client whose daughter, if there was a really loud sound, she passed out. That's how sensitive her nervous system was. And they're starting to do adaptations once they recognize that there's a child that ha- is an empath. So the, the way a teacher feels that day is going to affect how an empath can learn in a classroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how profound it is. Um, an adult who goes to their work or lives with someone that um, 
is difficult for them to be with. Their whole day is um, difficult to get through because they're feeling the discordance rather than the harmony. So are there any, or can you speak of any features of an empath or um, right now people, someone's listening saying, could that be me? So are there some traits, I should say traits is a better word, that empaths, I've also heard the word clairsentience. Have you heard that, clairsentience? Yes, and and that is one form of it. I do believe that empaths really are intuitive and telepathic. That that is really what's going on. Because if I if you have a sore knee and I can feel that in my body, and you're in New York and I'm in Cleveland, it's a non-local, you know, experience. It's going on in the subtle realms, and so. A lot of empaths have all these sensations going on. So, for instance, I have one student. I actually teach at a local university and um, teach in the music conservatory, helping uh, the students learn how to manage their energy and their their uh, nervousness about performing. But she said to me, I am such an empath that I can have a hundred different emotions in an hour. Whoever I'm with, whatever class I'm in, I they're just running through me and it's just one after another. And I don't know who I am. So it's almost as if they cannot, sometimes they don't know if that's theirs or if it's someone else's, right? right. Especially on, yes, on the emotional level. And so... The interesting thing and, and the perspective that I'm coming from is the first place an empath has to find is actually the inner soul level of their being. Otherwise, they're trying to make up a personality or find some kind of defense mechanism to protect them from the world. And when you come at it from the mystical point of view, which is how I, I approach this, we are all like the sun. So each one of us is a radiant sun. That's the soul light. And that radiant sun is shining out to the world. Now, what happens with empaths is they focus on the part that's shining out they love every single person. If you talk to an empath, it's really interesting. They're the people, they'll say to you, I love every person on the planet. And they won't admit it until someone brings it up and says it's okay to say that. So they're focused on this outward shining and they forget where the source of that light is coming from. So it's almost like they're stuck on the outward radiance and have forgotten or don't know how to get back to that central sun of their being. And so once you can come back to that core light of your being, you can find your own radiance and shining from who you're supposed to be. But it takes a little bit of study and, and practice and training to 
learn how to find yourself again. They're like stuck on the output without knowing how to bring it in back so to themselves. Any, are there any exercises or any any things that or practices that empaths can do if they know they're an empath or they think they may be an empath that they can do to bring that like you said, the sun inward. So they're not so right. always outward. And it sounds almost like a depletion a little bit. Yes? It does. It, it, it becomes a depletion. And I say that they have the urge to merge mm-hmm. because they come from this place of oneness. And, and it's often confused with codependency. Um, but there's an urge to merge because they're coming from this place of oneness and they don't realize that the rest of the world isn't. They've already got a sense of oneness. They have to find a sense of individuality. Other people who are seeking in the spiritual realms are coming from an individual point of view and trying to expand their awareness into the world of oneness. So so what happens is with this radiance going out, they connect with other people. And that's when they become one with another person and can feel everything that's going on. That's where the clairsentience comes in because it's working in a sixth sense or you say first sense way. Um, so it's, it's working on the subtle levels. So everything that is put out there as a technique to help empaths, I believe, is a temporary technique. So people will suggest surrounding yourself in a, a, a wall of light, a ball of light, um, breathing yourself back. I really think that empaths have to really breathe themselves back and then learn how to ground. So I I believe that grounding is the first practice for everyone in our culture because no one's in their bodies here. <laughs> if you if, if you look at their subtle energy, they they're like off flying off into the atmosphere. So um I invite empaths to very first thing is to come back and actually feel that you have a head, two shoulders, two arms, two hips, two knees, and two feet, and feel the physicality of your body. And you have to go all the way down to the feet. Uh, The feet are so important. You know, we're so upward uh, available and we're not downward available towards the earth and this culture, as you know. Um, and so once we connect with our feet, can you feel your feet right now? I can. Yep. I, you, know I'm seated, I'm, you know I'm seated, uncrossed, <laughs> because I'm being grounded. I always like to be very grounded when I'm speaking and also connecting to, to you. Mm-hmm. So, so once you can really feel your feet... And I say feet and seat. You want to feel your seat on the chair and your feet on the ground. And it brings you back to yourself. Now, we're not talking about just the limited physical self when we talk about grounding and coming back to self. We're talking about coming back to the essence of your being and sensing yourself as a multidimensional person who's more than just their physical body. And so you breathe back, come down to your belly, sense that you, you know, your belly is breathing you, start relaxing into that, and you start to sense yourself in a positive way. 
then once the energy starts moving and you can feel your feet connected to the earth and you can feel maybe energy in your hands, you can feel your heart open, you're in your body, you start to have a positive sense of self and then you start listening. Then you start listening to the energy, you listen to your intuition and then a whole nother process can unfold because once you come back to yourself, you can say, wow, I've been feeling this and maybe it's not mine. Maybe it's someone that I know who's feeling unhappy today or maybe someone has a bad back and I'm feeling that. And I would like to wish them beautiful healing and love. So by coming back and actually contemplating that this might not be you, and then actually offering a, a generous, heartfelt sense of wellness for this other person really helps separate what you're experiencing in terms of the merge and allows you to come back to yourself and allows that person to have their experience without you being involved in it. So... I know you're a big proponent of grounding. So someone that is highly empathic and they're out in the world, they feel it at their job site, they feel it, you know, at the mall, at many, many places. What's your recommendation for doing this exercise? Would it be a daily exercise, like a, almost like a cleansing, like a shower or in the moment or, I mean, I guess they can't do it in the moment when they're feeling, but when they can. But they can. They can. Um, I say to one second of feeling your feet and seat a hundred times a day actually retrains your consciousness to come back to yourself. And so you don't even have to do long meditations when you're an active person, if meditation's not for you, then I, you know, when I started doing this, I, it was sticky notes. I didn't have computer screens and telephones to remind me of things. But every possible way you can remind yourself to just sense your seat, sense your feet, and do that until you repattern your default consciousness. It's a habit that you want to build into your consciousness. That if you feel confused, if you feel overwhelmed, you don't know what you're doing, where you are, the first place you'll go then is your seat and feet and reground into your body. So all my students know seat and feet. I love that. You know, I learned um, a while ago now at this point, but when I travel or change location, I do I do a lot of grounding cord, a lot of grounding meditations, or even just the thought, like you said, I never put it together, seat and feet, but I love that. I'm going to use that from you. But I always do connect to my feet and I ground often. And I I learned early on that, especially when you're traveling or when you're changing location. So if I flew to Florida or if I flew to another state, then when I get there, I want to also feel that energy and be grounded to that earth energy. And then when I come back home, uh, what was happening is sometimes I would 
not that I travel a lot, but I would move location. And then my body was like, wait, where's my body? Where's my spirit? I need to be regrounded. Mm -hmm. So I've been teaching a lot of my students that, that I have a lot of people that travel a lot. And they're like, I kind of feel like I'm still there. I'm like, well, you kind of are still there because you need to now ground to this earth energy, not where you just were. So there's a whole, and it doesn't have to be long, like you're saying, it can be a short little exercise and remind yourself to be grounded in the earth energy that you're in so that you can feel it and feel it in your body. It's very important. I mean, the whole earthing movement and grounding movement, I think is really getting traction now. Um, and being, you know, the people that um, are proponents of walking out on the grass barefoot or going into the forest and forest bathing, everything about connecting to the earth is so important for our well-being and vitality. And so it has multiple levels of benefits um, in terms of bringing you back into coherence. And when you're in coherence, where your body, mind, and emotions and spirit feel like they're in harmony, that's when you feel the best. Not when you're, you know, so expanded that you forget your body or so physical that that's your only uh, focus of awareness. But when you are integrated and coherent, then that's when everyone feels the greatest. Yeah. And then they can be part of the world and not feel like they're going to be you know, it's just that feeling of not feeling yourself, not knowing knowing where you are, how you feel, and then constantly like the student that told you that she felt a hundred emotions in a very short amount of time. It's overwhelming and it's exhausting. Um, I want to circle back to maybe, can you just give maybe three or four traits that maybe someone uh, yes. would have as a, as a empath? Sure. So there's different types of empaths. Someone might be an empath with an with animals and not with people. Uh, they might be empaths with mechanical and technical equipment. There's uh, some engineers that literally merge with their machines and can feel inside their own body what's going on and where the problem is in a machine. Um, or same thing with an animal. So. Um, you can be an emotional empath. You can be a physical empath. You can uh, be a planetary empath, which uh, I experience earthquakes in the craziest way. So every time there's a big earthquake, I actually get sleepy and have to go to sleep for a little while. And then I'll look up on the survey, the geological survey, and find out that there was a, was a... Uh, earthquake. So I'm like sensitive to earthquakes. Who knew, right? Um, so you can have very different types of empathic experiences. You, a lot, everyone who's psychic has. I, I believe that psychic, empathic, telepathic, intuitive. It's really a continuum, and I think everyone. You know, we, we know what the word psychic means and people have their ideas of what psychics are. And I'm sure many of the psychics who have been working as psychics all these years and for years before, many of them were probably empaths and learned how to interpret their body signals as a code for what was happening in someone else, Okay. But they did it hit or miss. They weren't probably trained to do it. 
So there's um, there's a, a I I love the um, there was an article that's on my website about this woman who's a nurse in a Colorado hospital, and she has what's called mirror um, oh what's it called uh, mirror synesthesia. Uh, mirror touch synesthesia. That's how it is. It's called. And she has the ability to feel exactly what someone else is feeling inside their body. So the doctors in the hospital, and she works in the pediatric ward, the doctors in the hospital actually trust her to be able to communicate for babies who are nonverbal and tell them exactly what's going on inside the baby's body the babies that are in the hospital who can't talk. And I think it's such a wonderful um, integration of this type of empathic experience, experience, which is the mirror touch synesthesia. It's hard hard to say. Um, And how it can benefit our world. Yeah, I mean, I, you know what? I You always think of empathic as a negative trait, as a trait that, you know well, you're going to feel their energy or they're not going to feel good or you're going to feel their bad mood or you're going to feel their stomach pain. But to hear it the way you're saying, it can be helpful and of service, especially in that situation. Terrific. It really is terrific. I really believe that empaths can make the invisible visible. They can take the subtle world where 99% of our interactions are really happening and make them visible so that so much more healing and understanding and harmony can come to people. So so a physical empath, it's really interesting with a physical empath. It's not always like your sore knee to my sore knee. A physical empath, you might have a sore knee. The physical empath might feel it in their back. They could feel it in their head. They could get a headache. Um, Depending on how their unique physical constellation is and where they're going to feel something, it doesn't always have to be one-to-one correlation. Sometimes you have to learn. Or a physical empath will feel someone else's emotion or thought as a physical blockage or pain. So there's a lot to learn. This is a whole nother language that people are learning to speak. And unfortunately, um, empaths haven't been, there there aren't many training programs for empaths. Um, I have a two-year training program for empaths and I lead retreats for them. because you have to take an approach to learning about your empathic nature the same way you would take uh, the approach to learning anything. It is something that you learn over time, that there are um, you know, learning curves in it, and it's a skill that mm-hmm. you can learn about. I love that. I love so that. you can become a skilled empath and that to me is when the empath gets to shine. They get to accept who they are and do what they're meant to do. And also they get empowered, which I think yes. there's so many empaths that feel disempowered 
right? They don't, they don't feel that then, and they're, they're giving away their power. And so I love that. So that's a perfect segue. Can you share a little bit about the empath retreat that you're holding? Sure. It's um, June 10th through 14th in Silver City, New Mexico. And it's a five-day retreat at a beautiful, beautiful lodge in the hills of Silver City. Silver City's in southern New Mexico along the Gila Wilderness. And um, we spend five days. I'm out, I'm teaching about being an empath, leading attunements and clearings and helping people find their energetic center, get restabilized. The other benefit is that when you're with a lot of empaths, well, 12 to 14, that's the limit of the retreat, you feel like you finally are with your people. <laughs> and empaths often have a hard time verbalizing what they're feeling because the sensations can be so vague and they've been taught to dismiss them that you have to relearn how to speak the language of your experience of life. And so if your experience of life is that you you know that that person isn't feeling good, but they're looking perfectly fine on the outside, what do you have to to have a conversation about? You you know you're immersed in one set of information. The other person's living another set of information. Where are you going to meet? So then the empath gets shut down because not many people want to meet on the level that they're able to feel on, and so you lose the ability to actually express yourself over time. And during the retreat, we really focus on what, it, what the process is for finding the words to express your experience of life. And that's really important to an empath. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they can really, and, and also, like you said, they feel together, they have a togetherness and they can share and feel like they have other people that feel and understand them. And that's, that's a big, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. Especially when you've been told since you were a little kid that you're too sensitive, that you got to buck up and 90% of what you're experiencing in life is not recognized. It's tough. Very true. Very true. Well, Sarah, before we close, I want to share with the listeners. So I'm going to leave all the information in the show notes about the empath retreat. And then Sarah has a gift. So she's going to share her mini ebook, uh, her grounding manual. So I'll put the link there as well. And then Sarah, where else can people reach you and find out more about you? Where are you? Where are you? Um, my website's my best place. I actually um, have a very in-depth website with a lot of free information on it. And so there are at least 40 free guided meditations that you can download to use. There's some sample, full full class samples of empath classes I've taught. There's um, a lot, uh, there's many blogs on being an empath. And then there's the classes and there's a research and news page for empaths. So there's a lot of information on the website. And uh, the name of my institute is Spirit Heal Institute, and the website is spiritheal.com. So when you go to the website, 
there is a tremendous amount of information to get you started to understand about your empathic nature. Oh, that's great. That's such great information and resources. Thank you. And are you on social media? Any any social media channels are you on? I'm on Instagram. I will put the link in the show notes as well. I'll find your handle on Instagram. Right. And I'm on Facebook. Um, and I have purposefully, just for your information, not created a, a big Facebook um, presence because I'm trying to keep the work that I do at a very high frequency level. And because I really believe that empaths need high frequency energy to bring their being into coherence. So that's where, where they're attuned to. So I keep all the classes, uh, it's small enrollment, everything's personal. You get to talk to me. I'm not just uh, recording something and putting out to you. They're very, they're live classes. Uh, That's and, good to know. It's understandable yeah. to uh, to do that. So well, Sarah, we could talk more and more. Um, this has been just so great and enlightening about empaths and um, definitely going to direct everybody to the show notes and to all the links and to all those really amazing resources and and events that you're holding. So thank you so very much for being on the podcast. It was such a pleasure to speak with you today. It's wonderful to speak with you. I feel like with a with a sister. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a beautiful day. You too. Namaste. Blessings.